You're listening to Morning Short, the podcast that brings you one great short story every morning. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any podcast app. Today's story is Semper Edem by Jack London. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you to visit share.morningshort.com and invite a few friends to Morning Short. If 10 friends sign up using your personal invitation link, we'll even send you a free Morning Short t-shirt. So start your sharing at share.morningshort.com. And now, to the story. Dr. Bicknell was in a remarkably gracious mood. Through a minor accident, a slight bit of carelessness, that was all. A man who might have pulled through had died the preceding night. Though it had been only a sailorman, one of the innumerable unwashed, the steward of the receiving hospital had been on the anxious seat all the morning. It was not that the man had died that gave him discomfort. He knew the doctor too well for that. But his distress lay in the fact that the operation had been done so well. One of the most delicate in surgery, it had been as successful as it was clever and audacious. All had then depended upon the treatment, the nurses, the steward, and the man had died. Nothing much, a bit of carelessness, yet enough to bring the professional wrath of Dr. Bicknell about his ears and to perturb the working of the staff and nurses for twenty-four hours to come. But, as already stated, the doctor was in a remarkably gracious mood. When informed by the steward, in fear and trembling, of the man's unexpected takeoff, his lips did not so much as form one syllable of censure. Nay, they were so pursed that snatches of ragtime floated softly from them to be broken only by a pleasant query after the health of the other's eldest born. The steward, deeming it impossible that he could have caught the gist of the case, repeated it. Yes, yes, Dr. Bicknell said impatiently. I understand, but how about Semper Edom? Is he ready to leave? Yes, they're helping him dress now, the steward answered passing on to the round of his duties, content that peace still reigned within the iodine-saturated walls. If Semper Edom's recovery, which had so fully compensated Dr. Bicknell for the loss of the sailormen, it was Semper Edom's recovery which had so fully compensated Dr. Bicknell for the loss of the sailormen. Lives were to him as nothing, the unpleasant but inevitable incidents of the profession, but cases, ah, cases were everything. People who knew him were prone to brand him a butcher, but his colleagues were at one in the belief that a bolder and yet a more capable man never stood over the table. He was not an imaginative man. He did not possess, and hence had no tolerance for, emotion. His nature was accurate, precise, scientific, Men were to him no more than pawns, without individuality or personal value, but as cases, it was different. The more broken a man was, the more precarious his grip on life, the greater his significance in the eyes of Dr. Bicknell. He would as readily forsake a poet laureate suffering from a common accident for a nameless, mangled vagrant who defied every law of life by refusing to die as would a child forsake a Punch and Judy for a circus. So it had been in the case of Semper Edom. The mystery of the man had not appealed to him, nor had his silence and the veiled romance, 
which the yellow reporters had so sensationally and so fruitlessly exploited in divers' Sunday editions. But Semper Edem's throat had been cut. That was the point. That was where his interest had centered. Cut from ear to ear, and not one surgeon in a thousand to give a snap of the fingers for his chance of recovery. But, thanks to the swift municipal ambulance service and to Dr. Bicknell, he had been dragged back into the world he had sought to leave. The doctor's co-workers had shaken their heads when the case was brought in. Impossible, they said. Throat, windpipe, jugular, all but actually severed, and the loss of blood, frightful. As it was such a foregone conclusion, Dr. Bicknell had employed methods and done things which made them, even in their professional capacities, shudder. And lo, the man had recovered. So on this morning that Semper Edom was to leave the hospital, hale and hearty, Dr. Bicknell's geniality was in no wise disturbed by the steward's report, and he proceeded cheerfully to bring order out of the chaos of a child's body which had been ground and crunched beneath the wheels of an electric car. As many will remember, the case of Semper Edom aroused a vast deal of unseemly, yet highly natural curiosity. He had been found in a slum lodging, with throat cut, as aforementioned, and blood dripping down upon the inmates of the room below and disturbing their festivities. He had evidently done the deed standing, with head bowed forward that he might gaze his last upon a photograph which stood on the table propped against a candlestick. It was this attitude which had made it possible for Dr. Bicknell to save him. So terrific had been the sweep of the razor that had he had his head thrown back, as he should have done to have accomplished the act properly, with his neck stretched and the elastic vascular walls distended, he would have a certainty well-nigh decapitated himself. At the hospital, during all the time he traveled the repugnant road back to life, not a word had left his lips, nor could anything be learned of him by the sleuths detailed by the chief of police. Nobody knew him, nor had ever seen or heard of him before. He was strictly, uniquely, of the present. His clothes and surroundings were those of the lowest laborer, his hands the hands of a gentleman. But not a shred of writing was discovered, nothing, save in one particular which would serve to indicate his pastor's position in life. And that one particular was the photograph. If it were at all a likeness, the woman who gazed frankly out upon the onlooker from the card mount must have been a striking creature indeed. It was an amateur production, for the detectives were baffled in that no professional photographer's signature or studio was appended. Across a corner of the mount, in delicate feminine tracery, was written, Semper Edem, Semper Fidelis. And she looked it. As many recollect, it was a face one could never forget. Clever half-tones, remarkably like, were published in all the leading papers at the time, but such procedure gave rise to nothing but the uncontrollable public curiosity and interminable copy to the space writers. For want of a better name, the rescued suicide was known to the hospital attendants and to the world as Semper Edem. And Semper Edem he remained. Reporters, detectives, and nurses gave him up in despair. Not one word could he be persuaded to utter. Yet the flitting conscious light of his eyes showed that his ears heard and his brain grasped every question put to him. But this mystery and romance played no part in Dr. Bicknell's interest when he paused in the office to have a parting word with his patient. 
He, the doctor, had performed a prodigy in the matter of this man, done what was virtually unprecedented in the annals of surgery. He did not care who or what the man was, and it was highly improbable that he should ever see him again. But like the artist gazing upon a finished creation, he wished to look for the last time upon the work of his hand and brain. Semper Idem still remained mute. He seemed anxious to be gone. Not a word could the doctor extract from him, and little the doctor cared. He examined the throat of the convalescent carefully, idling over the hideous scar with the lingering, half-caressing fondness of a parent. It was not a particularly pleasing sight. An angry line circled the throat for all the world as though the man had just escaped the hangman's noose and disappearing below the ear on the other side had the appearance of completing the fiery periphery at the nape of the neck, maintaining his dogged silence, yielding to the other's examination in much the manner of a leashed lion, Semper Edom betrayed only his desire to drop from out of the public eye. Well, I'll not keep you, Dr. Becknell finally said, laying a hand on the man's shoulder and stealing a last glance at his own handiwork. But let me give you a bit of advice. Next time you try it on, hold your chin up, so... Don't snuggle it down and butcher yourself like a cow. Neatness and despatch, you know. Neatness and despatch. Semper Edom's eyes flashed in token that he heard, and a moment later, the hospital door swung to on his heel. It was a busy day for Dr. Bicknell, and the afternoon was well along when he lighted a cigar preparatory to leaving the table upon which it seemed the sufferers almost clamored to be laid. But the last one... An old rag picker with a broken shoulder blade had been disposed of, and the first fragrant smoke wreaths had begun to curl about his head when the gong of a hurrying ambulance came through the open window from the street, followed by the inevitable entry of the stretcher with its ghastly freight. Lay it on the table, the doctor directed, turning for a moment to place his cigar in safety. What is it? Suicide, throat cut, responded one of the stretcher bearers. Down on Morgan Alley. Little hope, I think, sir. He's most gone. Eh, well, I'll give him a look anyway. He leaned over the man at the moment when the quick made its last faint flutter and succumbed. It's Semper Edom come back again, the steward said. Eh, replied Dr. Bicknell. And gone again. No bungling this time. Properly done upon my life, sir. Properly done. Took my advice to the letter. I'm not required here. Take it along to the morgue. Dr. Bicknell secured his cigar and relighted it. That, he said between the puffs, looking at the steward, that evens us up for the one you lost last night. We're quits now. Thanks for listening to the Morning Short Podcast. I'd like to remind you to rate this episode five stars on iTunes and to visit share.morningshort.com to invite your family and friends to listen to stories from Morning Short. Learn more about the Morning Short Project and sign up for our daily emails at morningshort.com.